Welcome to Imperfect Allies. My name is Chris. And I'm Richie. And we're here to talk to each other about what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black in America. Our goal is to have a candid conversation about race and how it impacts and intersects our daily life, as well as our country. The episodes offered here are based around real, candid conversations that Chris and I have that are available if you support the show. From those conversations, we take a deep dive into topics that we discover to better empathize and understand ourselves and our American culture. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Allies Imperfect. Well, let's start the show. All right, everybody, welcome to Imperfect Allies. I am Richie. And I'm Chris. All right, and we're here tonight with a very special guest, uh, comedian Mana from DFW. Yay! Yay. There's not enough an audience. Still in that COVID time. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Before we get started, you have a really exciting news, and I want you to I want I want you to tell everybody what's going on with you. I'm so excited you asked. Me. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking what's going on with me. I have my first album coming out on January first, 2021. What? Nice. Because I need something to look forward to, so it's coming out January first. It is available for pre-order right now on monacomedy.com. That's M O N N A comedy.com, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, we also have a new a Sunday night showcase. Uh, it's going to be the last Sunday of every month at Tulips in Fort Worth, a really cool night, new live venue, and that's going to be the Sunday night spotlight presented by Claws Out Comedy. Awesome, awesome. That's great. And we're going to get all those links uh, for the show notes and everything. So please, uh, listeners, please uh, you know, reach out to Mana, buy tickets, buy her album. I mean, that's awesome. It's ready to go. So that's very, very cool. I'm, I'm excited about the album. For uh, every album that we sell, we're giving a dollar of it to Vulgarity for Charity. And uh, there's also a link on my website for uh, 20% off of BetterHelp services for their uh, therapy app if you go to the website and get it from there. Nice. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. Hardest working woman in show business. I love it. <laughs> I was once voted the comedian with the most hustle. Yeah. I, believe I was not nominated for it. They gave me a shot glass right after I had quit drinking. And mm. I never actually got the shot glass because I didn't have enough hustle to go get it, I guess. <laughs> love that. Well, that's and that's how that's how we all met each other is, is your open mics. You, you ran when they were running. You ran four, five. Mm-hmm did four yeah four? okay <laughs> all over the okay. dfw yeah yeah Dallas, Dallas everywhere to do an open mic for anybody <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i could say uh, like i never wanted to do open mics i oh, never yeah. asked for any open mic i never went mm-hmm. to be like can i please do an open mic here it's just that people kept asking me and the more that i had the more people would go hey you run open mics already right do you want one and if I thought it was something good for our scene, I just felt obligated to like set it up and do it. And I had a hard yeah. time saying no. And I'm also yeah. a control freak. So I was like, if I don't do it, is somebody worse going to try to do it? And then it's going to mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My control <laughs> issues were why I was running for open mics. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And I love that. I love the attitude of like, um, you know, if, it, if it's needed, let's just get it done, though. I mean, I think that's pretty admirable. And, and uh, I think that's how people succeed in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, I, I commend you for that. It's great. Cause they were great. They were great. They were really I feel supportive. Very indebted to DFW because I've gotten a lot yeah. of opportunity here and I want to be everything for DFW that it's been for me. So, uh, I think that we can keep building it and making it better. And I also like, I, I know people move to LA or New York, but for me, this mm-hmm. was my big move because I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So like Dallas yeah. DFW was the big city for me. And I don't see any reason why we can't build our empires here. I don't see any reason to go to the coast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I know Chris is on the coast right now, man, but we're going to get you I back. Am on the coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I felt all the digs. She's just like, oh, those people who just can't hack it in Dallas and feel like they have to go to the coast. Although I didn't come to the coast. Oh, before. no, it's not that. That's not what I mean. It's not that they can't hack in Dallas. <laughs> I just think that people, people have it in their mind that there are only yeah. big cities you can succeed in and that there's only one track to success. And I think that right. we can really build something special here in DFW, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely. Think that's, it's an interesting perspective that the coast has kind of, well, and uh, New York they have built is that this is where show business happens. And uh, it kind of says that all those underdogs that aren't here, you can't make it. And um, yeah. 
I, I disagree with that, but yet that's the prevailing understanding for many people. You know, we're middle of the country. There's, it's just, it's the perfect spot to build something. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's, it's Joe an Rogan international hub. I mean, yeah. shout out to Joe Rogan. Yes. The the movement is happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, the new, the new theater in Austin. That's I'm excited about that too. Yeah. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, so, uh, first question for you tonight. Uh, how did you get here? Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> How'd your you get here to background. overall background? What what all, what cosmically happened that brought you here to this uh, podcast tonight? Uh, what cosmically happened <laughs> is I have a chemical imbalance. I have bipolar <laughs> disorder and borderline personality disorder, which okay. led me to make manic decisions such as yeah. moving across the country just because <laughs> girl I barely knew asked me to. Okay. So okay. I am from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was born and raised Fort Wayne. The first time I ever did stand-up comedy, I was 20 years old. I had to drive to uh, Indianapolis to do it uh, oh. to get my first six minutes of stage time on a showcase. Uh, and, you know, I, I uh, was friends with a girl who was kind of hanging around the comedy scene that was in Fort Wayne. There wasn't much of one um, when I was there. It was kind of like, you know, I say I've been doing stand-up comedy since January 2013 because that's my first time on stage and when I knew mm -hmm. that I wanted to do it. Um, but, you know, I didn't get up on stage after that until like October of 2013, I think. Yeah. So there, there wasn't a lot going on. So I've not really been consistently doing comedy until I moved to DFW and had the opportunity to because if you were willing to drive in DFW, at some point you could get on stage like four times a night. Yeah. And just a wild difference in the amount of opportunity and the amount of stage time that you could get from one place to the other. Um, but yeah, I moved from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana to Fort Worth, Texas at the very, very tail end of 2014 and have been here uh, sleeping very little ever since. <laughs> okay. Sleeping very little. Why, why is that? Uh, well, Just when I first moved here, I had like $300 to my name and I was working gotcha. crazy overtime at this hospital job that I'd gotten. So I would uh, get up at 6 a.m., go, well, 5.30 and then drive to the hospital and then, uh, you know, stay up until 2 a.m. going to the open mics. And there was like mm. one week that I did not get to go out because I moved down here with four other guys and we were literally like looking for change on the street to put gas in our car to go to open um, mics and jobs and stuff like we yeah. were all pretty broke um and so like there was one week we just couldn't go out <laughs> and I went out the following week to hyenas in Dallas mm -hmm. and there was a guy there who was like uh oh are you still doing this and I was like yeah yeah I'm still doing it so I'd missed one week and then I just realized that I had to really show up and be in everybody's face all of the time because out of sight out of mind right and yeah. i wanted people to know that i was here and that i was staying and that i was serious about doing comedy and that i was not just somebody passing through or just somebody who was like i'm doing this and then they quit you know mm -hmm. so i uh would work overtime take a two-hour nap in the afternoon and then go and do all of the things at night and then just do it all again and again <laughs> wow that that uh just determination that work habit where do you feel like that got instilled in you? Is that a parent thing? Is that personal? I think that was a desperate need for community and purpose. I think it was just came from desperation of need, yeah. needing it. Some people do comedy because it's fun and other people really need it. And I am one of those whoop, people. Whoop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's hard what? to explain to somebody who does not feel that in their gut. Cause I mm. was talking to one of my friends who's very funny, but he was walking my, to my car one night. I was like, what would you do if you didn't do comedy? And he goes, I don't know, other stuff. How about you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd be dead. I don't know. I don't, I don't see other options. It doesn't feel like an option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I definitely feel that. I started, I started roughly at the same time and uh, I was going to take, a like one of those classes or whatever the comedy you know hey go up and i did some open mics yeah. i did some open mics and and uh i was like well maybe i'll take classes and get better and my van broke down and i had to put the 300 dollars i was going to do for stand-up classes into the van and so like a year went by and or no it was six months or so and then and i started improv instead because the i couldn't find the stand-up stuff anymore I might be I might be in the minority on this, but I don't necessarily see the value in stand-up classes. I think that it is as close to a pyramid scheme as you can get. I know <laughs> so you, you actually did the closet comedy workshop, right? And I think yeah, a workshop yeah. is different right. than teaching somebody how to be funny. I think that 
it's difficult to teach a generalized class because that, I mean, you could teach like a comedy course, right? But you're not going to yeah. individually be able to work with everybody and say, this is what you need to do. Like there's, there's no ABC formula to being funny because everybody is different. Everybody writes different. Like there are some things that you could learn, but ultimately I think that getting on stage is the best experience that you could possibly have Uh, as well as like just finding a comic that's above you that you think is funny and asking Mm -hmm. them, what do you think of my set? Like, yeah, because most people are not assholes and they are actually most comics are narcissists and will be so wildly flattered if you come up and say, Oh my God, I think you're really funny. Would you mind watching my set and telling me what you think? Like the best thing comics can do for each other is help each other. And I think that comedy classes are, it's just so much money to invest up front for people who might not have that money. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to say that there's no value in them because I do think that you can learn from people, but I also think that you can learn from, taking it to the streets so to say <laughs> oh absolutely there's no better absolutely. learning than just doing yeah i yeah, agree just taking action agree. yeah yeah so yeah uh one of the next kind of things that we always kind of discuss in this show is maybe the um ethnicities and the backgrounds the labels of race and culture that we come from and so i'm curious i know you said you're from indiana that's also a totally different culture than texas so uh, just walk us through that uh one of the things that surprised me the most is there's so much pride you guys have so much pride in texas (laughs) like even the manhole covers have the lone star on them and Mm. indiana is the crossroads of America. It is a beautiful place to drive through on your <laughs> Like it's not we had we had Johnny Appleseed, I guess, mm-hmm. but he wasn't even just ours. Like the biggest thing that Fort Wayne has is the Johnny Appleseed Festival. And he went everywhere. That's like his thing. <laughs> is that he went everywhere. It just happened uh, to go through you. <laughs> yeah, they also say that they're Lincoln's boyhood home, which is illinois not even really indiana yeah we're taking him we got lincoln um <laughs> so yeah that's not really uh yeah culturally i don't i don't know I, soda pop i don't know minor difference <laughs> the only the only real difference i notice is that texas has so much pride which it makes sense because y'all used to be a country and you know i say y'all now just so that i fit in uh Welcome. Mm-hmm. yeah I've, mm-hmm. I've assimilated uh, it's I've a superior word. Mm-hmm. Waterburger, I get it. I, <laughs> I love Texas, though. Like I, yeah. I'm not even from here, and I have the Texas pride. Yeah, that's good. That would be the uh, the biggest thing that I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, actually are, really ironic being in California now, and their pride is so different from Texas pride. And it's still pride, but it's different pride. Yes, yeah, different. And but the clash of pride is what I find interesting. Is when I introduce myself yeah. as being from Texas, I always get the same kind of look of like. Mm. My boyfriend <laughs> has a shirt that says "Don't California, my Texas." I believe it. <laughs> I That's do, true, I'm Texas. Aware. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, what sort of boxes do you, do you consider yourself in? I mean, uh, you said earlier bipolar and, uh, borderline, I mean, uh, woman, white, like what are the different things that you sort of category? I mean, do you, do you think, you think about yourself in that way? I mean, um, I'm a white woman. I, I identify <laughs> as just basic crazy bitch, but if you had to break mm-hmm. it down, I am yeah. also white, <laughs> uh, white, uh, and yeah. I am a woman. So mm-hmm. That is okay. how I identify. Okay. Um, what? Uh, no, no. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. So this show, I have ADHD. So that's that's my deal. Which probably um, also, most you also comics have to do. Be incredibly politically correct now, lest you be canceled. Yeah, yeah. That's sure. almost our show's and goal. <laughs> I started. I started doing a joke it, about it, but I was like, you know, 2020. You have to. You have to watch your steps. Somebody asked me where the bathroom was, and I said, down there on the left or the right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't assume which bathroom you'll go in. <laughs> it's just that way, and you make the rest of the decisions. It's yes. a fun game when you're watching a like a murder show with your significant other. When they go like the killer, he left. He went into this bar, and then every time they say he, you go or she. Every time, <laughs> which, it's very fun for a lot of those murder shows. Probably she. I've been watching a lot of SVU just to remind myself that there's nothing out there to miss. I'm not missing out on anything. <laughs> It's all sex murder. Why would I go outside? Exactly. 
We got, I mean, there's Carol Baskins out there everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. No, every I am Simba and the light and everything outside is the elephant graveyard. I don't. I don't need to go outside. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. So, <laughs> so for your uh, material, since you uh, are releasing a special, and hopefully our listeners are going to go cop that. What are some topics? What are some things that you delve in with your comedy? Uh, well, specifically with Unstable, I do talk about, uh, obviously, my mental illnesses. And I also put in a lot of old uh, kind of fluffy jokes. Um, it was really nerve wracking recording this year, as I'm sure you guys could imagine, just because I've not been on stage very much. I am aware that I've been on stage perhaps more than other people have because we've had safe, socially distanced shows in Texas. Um, and I think I was actually the one of the first people on stage at all after the reopening because wow. uh, Addison yeah. Improv opened in like May. So I think that I was one of the comics on that show. Um, but it's it's just very bizarre because a lot of the stuff on the album is like really, really old stuff that I am done with, but still needs a home. Like it's it's not that they're bad jokes. I just don't feel that they're relevant to my life currently. So some of mm-hmm. them are really old and some of the material is brand new that I had not done before, but felt very mm. strongly belonged on this album. And I kept telling myself, I was like, you know, I just got to say it right once. <laughs> if I just say <laughs> yeah. it right once, then that's enough. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it is um, just real, real up and down. I kind of wanted the album to, to flow with uh, ebbs and ebbs and flows and uh, you know, a lot, as much of the boo-hoos as there are of the ha-has. Um, I really wanted it to be, a piece of material that anybody could consume because I know that I could tend to be very niche and just only play to people who experience what I experience, but mm-hmm. I really want to make it more general so that anybody who doesn't experience what I experience can kind of start to see what it's like because I really want to normalize mental health. I think everybody has mental health problems in one way or the other, even mm-hmm. if it's only for a, a little duration of your life, everyone's experienced depression. Even if you don't think you have clinical depression, you've, right. you've felt it and you know you know maybe um maybe people could understand at the very base level that depression is different than sad so uh it's it's real it's real i don't want to say it's all over the place but it is intentionally fluffy and dark to even out to make it consumable to everybody yeah i know i'm not everybody's cup of tea and i think that with my other albums that I put out, I'll start, you know, finding more of my audience and playing directly to those people. But, you know, for now, I really just want it to be something that anybody can listen to and find something funny in it. Yeah, I love that. And for for from the perspective of an imperfect ally, right, the avenue to uh, bipolar that I have at this current moment is what people call Kanye West. Like that is Mm -hmm. how little I know. And that is the introduction that I have. And so I mentioned that. So, yeah, and and without spoiling any jokes, but I'm curious, you know, what is it like when you see how people treat Kanye West, uh, who is someone that uh, is diagnosed, I believe, to be bipolar, and then you hear the crazy, manic, you know, he needs to be uh, taken care of and put away, or is he speaking his mind? Like, what, what is that nuance there from your perspective? Uh, well, from my perspective, I think that he's put under additional scrutiny just for being a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I think that, you know, what I do talk about on the album, it's, it's one of the final tracks. Um, actually, I don't think this would be giving too much away. And I think that this was the appropriate podcast to kind of talk <laughs> about this. So, yeah. uh, I have a track on the album called, you can't say that. And I say the R word mm-hmm. uh, the, the suburban mothers recently took back, like the last couple of years, like they took that back. Um, yeah. And I talk about, you know, we can't, I, I say it, but only to illustrate like, oh, that's an icky word. Y'all just went, oh, you can't say that, right? Like we agree mm-hmm. you can't say that because I find it very strange that in a very PC world, uh, it's still very, very acceptable for people to misuse medical terminology. Like people mm-hmm. go, oh, well, I'm just so OCD. You know, it's just my oh, yeah. ADHD acting up. It's just, I'm so bipolar. Like it's mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I, I just wanted yeah. to illustrate like, why is that okay to mm-hmm. people? If this is not okay, then this should definitely not be okay because I understand what you are saying about me and it is hurtful. And also I have poor impulse control. Like, <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and you know i do i do talk about how like we have kanye and kanye is uh you know as much as um as much trouble as he gets himself into which i think probably just i don't know what i'd do if i had that much money who knows yeah you know people just they put you they put you under scrutiny for being celebrity i don't know if kanye is really the best example um just because he is so celebrity i don't know like i mean people people did that to justin bieber too which is what his latest song was about was about being lonely or whatever but he was always in the news for like leaving a monkey at the airport or whatever it's like (laughs) well he's 18 and he has so much money like what would you do or like uh it's kind of the whole um they address it in parks and rec right where uh ben wyatt became the mayor and like made ice Mm -hmm. town yeah of course he did he was a kid you know (laughs) i don't know yeah, I got I got a little off track. I just think it's so hard to judge because I don't see um, Kanye as someone who represents someone like me. I yeah. I see Maria Bamford as that person, right? Yeah. Who kind of champions yeah. uh, mental health and you know what it's like to to really live with that. And she talks about it a lot. So she's like a really big icon as far as um, as far as that goes. And I I mean, she's not as loud about it, I guess. And that's funny because as a comedian, I know Maria Bamford. But when I think bipolar because of the messaging, I think Kanye West and I think she is an interesting person. Like, I just find Maria's, oh, she's interesting. She's quirky, right? And um, I, that's that's so interesting to me that you you wouldn't even consider Kanye as someone that, identified, that you would identify with from that perspective. And um, Well, because the only thing we really have in common is our mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also, there are also levels to this kind of mental illness. Like, yeah. bipolar is not really... You know, it's the same. It's the same with everything. I always say that it's like a dress in a department store, right? Like, mm. just because it's the same dress doesn't mean it looks the same on everybody. And just right. because something <laughs> wears the dress well doesn't mean that zipper isn't digging into their back. Right. <laughs> Depression is not a uniform. It does not always look like somebody who hasn't showered for three days. Sometimes yeah. it looks like who's the life of the party. Yeah. It doesn't look the same on everybody. It's not a uniform. Sometimes it looks like a guy getting drunk listening to 90s hip hop. I'm just saying. That's, 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 some of my listeners will know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> follow my Facebook. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's great. That's great. Because uh, as someone as someone who, uh, my brother's bipolar. And growing up growing up in a household with that. And then having my, my own issues with whatever, all, all the little abbreviated acronyms or whatever they are. ADHD, you know. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, well, I have, a, I have another track title on there called uh, ABCDBPDIBSLMNOP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, it's a fun one. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird thing because it feels like um, people we people don't know how to talk about it, and it's normal for me to, to you know to talk about the things that I have or, or the things that I have exposure to, but. Um, what do you, what do you run into or what do you wish that people that want to, you know, be supportive and helpful to you? What do you wish they would say? I mean, what do you wish they would do? What's, what are the things you look for? Well, you know, I didn't really talk about my mental health on stage until maybe the last year or two, maybe Mm -hmm. two years. Um, because I, I would have these jokes and I would start to do them and then the crowd would get weird and then Mm -hmm. I would go, Oh, you're right. It's weird. And then I would get weird Mm -hmm. and awkward. I would stop and pull back and then just like deviate into some other like silly, funny, haha uh, yeah. from what, what had just happened. And then there was one day where I was like, no, you know what? I wrote the joke. I've got all these tags. I'm going to do the whole joke <laughs> all the way through. And the first time that I did it all the way through, I had somebody come up after the show and go, oh, me too. That's crazy. Eh. Yeah. And, you know, wow. I've never heard anybody talk about that before. It's like, wow. Okay. So in the process of me finally talking about it, I got all of these people who would come up and go, Oh, me too. I've never heard anybody say that. So like just me talking about it more justifies other people coming forward and going, Oh, I didn't know anybody else struggled with that. And the more that I've done it, the more I realize there are so many people who have the exact same problems, <laughs> or if they don't have the exact same problems, they know somebody who has the same mm-hmm. problems. And it's just ridiculous to not talk about it because everybody has this stuff. Yeah. Or they, or a loved one has this stuff. Like it's yeah. so incredibly common that it's just irritating and silly that we don't yeah. discuss it. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so common. Well, it, yeah. it's like the, the emotion that you push through, right. Where you felt the, the room change, that shift pushing through that is that wall that I think so many of us hit and then never address again. And we just run from it. 
Well, I think uh, that was it was about the same time that I learned something in comedy, which is that uh, silence doesn't mean you're failing. Um, mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. that people are listening. Yeah. So I started off as only being a one liner comic. So for me to be producing really? an album that's very <laughs> story driven and very, yeah, it's um, it's very weird from where I started because I would only do one liner jokes because if I was getting people laughed and I was like, ah, I'm killing. Uh, <laughs> If, if we don't have any any breaks in here, that I don't have to think. Yeah. Mm. So now on stage, I'm perhaps a bit more pensive and actually trying to communicate and be vulnerable. Um, I've given myself a complex over it because I'm so much. I used to be a blown up version of myself on stage mm-hmm. uh, to the point that I would get off stage and go, "No, I'm not really. I'm I'm not a ten. I'm like a I'm like an eight of what you saw. Like I'm not mm. that." crazy i'm like an eight crazy but now i'm like no that's exactly it <laughs> i have left so much of myself on stage that i get off of stage and i go yeah well this is it that's nothing you know. else to offer <laughs> yeah yeah wow um, well, and you said something earlier i thought it was really interesting about normalizing it because um yeah. because, because it i think normal. having it to is normalize normal. it is a weird process because it yeah. is already normal yeah mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I never thought of it that yeah. way, but that's so true. We've, I mean, Chris, you know, you and I when talking about black and white stuff, like you know, it's the idea that we have to normalize blackness in some way to white people. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Friends. just, yeah, you know, it's it's these different perceived differences or whatever else, and there are real real differences in things. Um, but I I I really appreciate that that idea of of of, norm, of normalizing, and and we don't have a good word for it, but well, I mean, even even I'm guilty of it. So I, I was diagnosed as borderline years ago, but I mm. only started talking about it recently because if it weren't for COVID and this year being shut down, like those negative traits and those bad um, reactions that I have to things would have never come out. Because mm. honestly, a lot of my toxic traits were hidden by being accepted in the comedy community and oh, well. being in charge of stuff. So like I think, in th- I think of things very black and white. And mm-hmm. in comedy, that's a good thing mm-hmm. because- and, and especially like if you're in charge of something and somebody's an asshole, you get to go, you don't get to come back. The end. It's done. And that's something mm-hmm. that's okay. Are there any benefits to having bipolar or, or, or um, uh, borderline? I know for me, like ADHD stuff, I've got a lot of energy and things I love. Are there things, similar things like that for you? Well, I think that with bipolar disorder, um, you know, I always say I would never uh, wish it on my worst enemy, but I also wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Mm. Honestly, bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder, those are the only ones that I can speak to because that's what sure. I have and, yeah. and experience. Um, they're just things that you live with because really like BPD is just, you know, your reactions to things and bipolar disorder is your energy levels. Like it's not all up and down the way that people might imagine it is. Like bipolar disorder like mania like i think a lot of people think oh you're fun you're up your life the party when you're manic that's so much fun but it's like no mania is also like you're wired like uh i don't know if you've ever seen the movie limitless it's a great movie with bradley Cooper. Um, but it's it feels so much like that like once you take that pill that limitless pill like i feel like if i don't keep moving i'm gonna die (laughs) it's it's very strange because when you're up you also have this weird capacity to immediately go to irritated and angry and full of rage if something doesn't Mm -hmm. go your way so like being up isn't just happy it's just your energy is up here um and then down is not always sad like sometimes down is just empty um you know i i want to really express that you know depression is not like a bully thug that kicks you while you're down sometimes depression is like a handsome gentleman that hugs you from behind and says you should Mm -hmm. quit while you're ahead so you know it's much more seductive and anybody who says that they aren't in love with their depression is lying we all love it just a little bit we love it because we know it because it's familiar because it's comfortable oh yeah i think that really what it comes down to is with these mental illnesses they're not our personality so saying that it's a superpower whatever the real superpower is self-awareness self-awareness is a superpower Mm. for you to be able to recognize what you live with because truthfully bipolar disorder is not really that much different from being diabetic like if you're diabetic it's not your personality it's just a thing that you live with and you recognize that you have to do certain things to maintain a healthy balance and that's the same with bipolar disorder or bpd like it's just it's just something you live with it's not your personality so while i while i say that i have 
bipolar disorder and I have borderline personality disorder, I don't say that I am bipolar anymore because I used to say that. And mm. I know that that's not correct. You're, you're not bipolar because you're not your illness. You have right. bipolar disorder. You have yeah. heart disease. You have, you, yeah. you live with it. So the best, the best wow. superpower you have is self-awareness and recognizing what your problems are and identifying what you need to do to correct those problems and to be a happy, healthy human being. So I, it's been, I a, it's been it, a big journey for me this year. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm I, I'm mind blown by the journey and just the similarities uh, of you know you used to say that you were right your disorder like that was just who you were and it was a part of you and we talk a lot on this podcast about being black. So many of us, um, you know, you hear maybe negative stereotypes about it, and then you almost feel like you have to identify with whatever that label is. And so personally yeah. for me, right, like being black, I used to have to feel like, no, I am black. Like it it was much of what you just kind of reiterated. And I'm growing into, no, you know, that's just a part of me, but it's not who I am. And uh, I'm just curious if you said a year ago, you might not have felt this way. I, I'm really curious about what got you to this on top of COVID. Um, well, I've been off of meds for a year. Uh, I was off of meds. Oh, wow from um september of last year because my psychiatrist like the i was taking lithium i was um taking lithium since i was 19 and it, it came back on my medical charts and it was like starting to maybe affect my organs yeah. and stuff oh, wow. and i was still having episodes regularly too so like was you know is it, is it even helping how much damage yeah. am i doing versus how much am i even helping um yeah. and so uh i went through um getting a different mood stabilizer and my psychiatrist had prescribed me one that interfered with my birth control and it's like well that's so frustrating that you mm -hmm. would care so little to not see that there's an interaction mm -hmm. and i uh just compared myself to a wall i was like you know what i just feel like a wall that has been painted for a long time and somebody's just trying to throw another coat of paint on there i'm not saying let's never repaint the wall i'm just saying what's the wall even look like now because it's been almost 10 years so yeah. i've uh, talked to my boyfriend. I talked to my roommate at the time about it and said, Hey, maybe we just try to go off meds and see what the baseline even looks like. Yeah. And so it's not that I'm anti-med because I'm certainly not. Um, right. but I just wanted to see what baseline was even like, and honestly recognizing the BPD diagnosis and finally getting therapy to treat that has yeah. been incredibly helpful. I think it would be very hard for me to hold a regular kind of day job again, because, uh, being a comedian kind of allows me to have bad days. I don't have a lot of them, mm -hmm. but, um, it, it really lets me to, you know, just let it kind of be weather. That's all it is, is weather. But if I have a stormy day, I, I'm not ruining somebody else's, you know, career trajectory if I'm not there. <laughs> so, um, I think that, I think that if I had a different job, if I had a different boyfriend, if I had a different situation, I wouldn't have been able to go off of meds. And I know that that's very hard for a lot of people to do. And yeah. I don't, I don't advocate that anybody do that. What I did was very scary and I was horrified mm. and I was so afraid that I would not be okay. Um, and so while I do not take meds anymore, I do therapy. I use BetterHelp. Uh, and I also uh, have to exercise every day. I have to take fiber every day. Like I have to keep a very strict schedule. I can't have caffeine. I can't have alcohol. Like, again, it's, it's the same way as like, you know, somebody with, uh, you know, diabetes might live. Like you just, there are some things you can't do anymore and you mm -hmm. have to accept that. So I think that um, getting my gallbladder out is probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it means it meant that I could not hold my alcohol anymore because I used to drink mm. liquor a lot. Wow. Uh, so I stopped drinking liquor two years ago and then I stopped drinking really. I mean, I have a, like a white claw every once in a while or like a glass of wine, but I really can't physically handle much <laughs> anymore. So um, you are a white woman. Okay. Okay. I am. I am so very much. Oh my God. I gluten intolerant, all of it. I am. Oh, wow very yeah. slowly transforming, but I, I don't want to ever be because, because I'm not on meds. I don't want to ever come off as like, Oh, well, have you tried drinking more water and taking a walk? Like, I'm not that person. <laughs> yeah. If you're on meds, yeah, you're on yeah, meds yeah. for a reason. We are just pockets of chemicals. And if you need to do something to put your chemicals the right way, do that. Uh, I got a script for Ativan, uh, throughout mm -hmm. COVID because that's something that I identified that I could maybe take as needed whenever I'm yeah. having an episode. Um, 
Yeah. But and it's really, a long journey to find meds. I mean, it can be for a lot of people, right? Like it's try yeah. this, try this. Like I know recently. Nothing, nothing's a total fix. That's the other thing. Because yeah, oh, for sure. I could, I could spout off on this for a minute, but I do want to really express it because it really, really <laughs> bothers me. Like when you're yeah. diagnosed with a mental illness, it is absolutely insane to me that they don't also give you a diet plan the way that they would for anybody mm. else. Because if you go and you get diagnosed with anything else, even if it's arbitrary, they give you some kind of diet plan. For sure, and yeah. It's, I did not know for the longest time that caffeine could trigger episodes. So, mm. you know, I would have these energy drinks and then be up for 84, 90 hours wow. and be like, what? what's wrong with me? <laughs> wow. and it's like, you know, they, they tell you kind of half-ass, like, don't drink alcohol, but no, they don't really express how bad it is for you when you have a mental illness to drink alcohol or that allergies or inflammation could trigger episodes. Like they should be telling everybody this stuff. I don't know if it's because it's not beneficial to them financially to do it. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't like, know. It's, just, it's so bizarre that you don't get a diet plan because it's so, it's so important. Like what you put in your body matters. Like we can't pretend that you're, you, you can't say, well, I've tried everything, but you're eating Wendy's every night. Right. Like, you can't, say, well, I've tried everything to be happy. I'm just sad, but you haven't tried eating salad and drinking yeah. enough water. Like, you know, it matters. I had the torn yeah. Achilles and they gave me a diet plan. So, uh, you know, that yeah. <laughs> doesn't it, make sense. For them because that. There's also, there are so many scientific studies showing that gut health is directly related to mood disorders and like mm -hmm. brain health. Like this is a, this is a balanced ecosystem. And if you're out of balance, this, the uh, mildest thing can throw you off. So that's something that I've really learned over the last year is it's never for nothing. Because yeah. I would often think, oh, I'm having episodes for no reason, for no reason at all. But it's always something. It's always, oh, well, I had a cup of coffee and I didn't think about it. Or, oh, they gave me caffeine instead of decaf. Like it's always something, even mm. if it's something small, it's never for no reason. See, that mm -hmm. takes me to something. It's a concept we talk about a little bit. Um, it's there's a cultural phenomenon where some people see their choices and their responsibility and all their actions and how that plays out into their lives. And other people notice the world and the circumstances that they're under and how that kind of controls themselves and so or controls them. So for you to have a diagnosis, which seems like a circumstance that you had no control over that has all the weight and control, you also notice that your choices and what you consume really impact your the way you're going to uh, walk through the world that day. Absolutely. I'm curious how you see so, that. So you can't think your way into being happy. You can't think your way into like, you know, people say, well, you know, just be happy. <laughs> you know, you can't, you cannot think your way out of depression. It's not mind over matter, but what you do matters. So mm -hmm. you can set yourself up for success. You can do little mm -hmm. things every day to be okay. You know, you can do a good amount of exercise in 20 minutes every day. And you can, mm -hmm. if you really want to, and you care about yourself, you can find the time to do that. You can find yeah. the time to sit down and drink tea. You can make the decisions to have, you know, no calorie dressing instead of, you know, a gallon of ranch or whatever. Like there are yeah. very small little things that you can do every day to be okay. Cause mental health is health. It is the same mm -hmm. thing. It really, really bothers me that those are tagged and billed and you know, Definitely. yeah, well, you know, yeah. when I, when I was um, working at a call center and I had insurance, it cost me $75 to go th see a psychiatrist every time. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it was just for like med management, mm -hmm. even if I had no problem, I would have to go in. And they told me that I had to come in every three weeks, even though I wasn't a danger to myself or others. And that was really, wow. really bothering me because I was, you, you are perpetuating the stigma of mental illness by indicating that I need a babysitter somehow, like yeah. a shakedown because it only cost me $30 to go to my general practitioner. And you know, if you have a broken arm, you don't go in every time you go in when you need help. And that's, yeah it should be for mental health too. If you're not a danger to yourself or others, you're, you're a competent, capable human being. You just happen to have a problem. Like you don't need that kind of, and it's, it's also really hard to do that. Like to go in and pay $75 every couple every of weeks. Time, like, yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus whatever the meds cost. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to hope they're the right meds. Cause you're going to keep doing trial and error too. Like you're going to get some meds mm -hmm. that just sit in a bottle in your cabinet. Cause they didn't work for you. And so yeah. this makes me think of, the, the allies in your life, the doctors, the, the systems of potential allies, and then friends and family, like, what are some things that you wish people around you could do to help in any way, or, or maybe even a 
approach the conversation in a more healthy way? What are some things like that? Um, you know, I wish that people would, uh, perhaps listen more. I think that a lot of the time people want to just, I mean, what I'm going to be one of those people that quotes fight club right now. Uh, (laughs) people aren't listening. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah. I think that when I say I have bipolar disorder, a lot of the time people aren't waiting to hear what my experience is with it. They're either nervous uh, or they're waiting to say, oh, my brother has that. And this is what mm-hmm. happened to him. Like, it's not really just a talking point. We're just normal people living our lives. And, you know, a lot of the time it doesn't really need to be brought up at all. Like, I'm here to answer questions if anybody has to talk about it. But for the most part, like, why do I need to say anything? Like, eh, I'm just mm-hmm. living my life. I'm just a person. I, it's not it's not who I am. Yeah. It's, By it's the way, happened. Rich, yeah. you did uh, point out that your brother. Yeah. I did. I did. I did exactly well, what you talked about. I wasn't even meaning that. No, no, no. That's cool. That's cool because um, I mean, I'm all about this. Is what this show's all about is is this and, kind and of I thing. And I think I think that at the core of it, some people do that because they're trying to relate. But I want people yeah. to know that we don't have to try to you don't have to try to relate that way. Like you could just listen or if you have, or if you have a question, don't dance around it. Right. Just ask me, have I stabbed mm-hmm. anybody? Like whatever you want to ask me, just ask me. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like when people are like dancing around the, well, what are you in here for? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. And I, I feel the same way at the, 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 comedic punchline of oh uh my best friend is black like we've all seen that and heard that a million times right it's the same situation there and i don't know why it's a human necessity for some reason to say oh i don't relate to you but i know someone that does it it, just listen yeah i think i think maybe at the core of that um now that we're talking about maybe the core of that is because they want to use that as an opportunity to eventually ask you in the conversation what they could be doing better for that friend i don't know hmm Maybe it's a maybe it's a subtle. Well, what what do you, what can I learn from you that I can go to apply apply to them to someone I really care about? <laughs> yeah, well, well, I have had people ask me that after shows. Like I've had I've had a lot of moms oh. come up to me and be like, "My daughter is crazy." I'm like, "Oh, is she?" No, I always I always tell them like they're so lucky that you care enough to ask a random stranger mm. these questions. Because wow, that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so nice that you care enough. I think that people often they just care in the wrong ways. They don't know how to care. So mm-hmm. like when I before I was diagnosed, um, I was horribly, terribly depressed. Uh, and I dropped out of college twice. But before I dropped out the second time, um, my dad would come into my room and just scream at me to get out of bed. And he called me lazy and all this stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. cool. Like it didn't it didn't help at all. It I don't even want to say it made it worse. It just wasn't helpful. yeah yeah mm. it's just it's just not what i needed so i think a lot of the time people will express their frustration or their love in ways that are not conducive to actually getting people help so i think that practically getting people help is the best thing you can do you know if some if your friend is depressed uh and do what you can while they're not depressed to learn about them so that you know what they need when they are depressed. Mm-hmm. Like ask them because that's that's the hardest thing too in relationships too, right? Like the best thing you can do is talk about the fights that you've had when things are good. Yeah. Yeah. Bring up like when when you're on your best day or you're out at the picnic, like the best thing to do is be like, hey, really hated when you cheated on me. Can we talk about that? <laughs> or whatever it is, whatever, whatever issue it is. But it's good to talk about the bad things while you're in a good place where you can actually visit them and be calm enough and rational enough to communicate about it when the tension isn't high. And so that's what you can do for your friend is say, you know, when you're like that, you know, can you explain it to me right now? Like, what could I do to help you? Like one of the nicest things anybody ever did for me was uh, Nick Fields, who's a very talented comic who's living in New York right now. um, And a very, very good friend and an amazing human being. Uh, One of the nicest things he ever did for me, he was like, can I call the pharmacies for you and find out who has this medication for you? Like, can, mm-hmm. can I do that for you? Mm-hmm. And so like, I let him just call around and see if they would tell him if they had a pharma, like a, a yeah, med wow. or like a, whatever it was that I needed at the time. But it was something that was like practically helpful. I've had people right, like yeah. send me soup, like that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you can, you know, when somebody's so depressed, buy them like an Uber Eats or whatever, like just, yeah. Them, if you yeah. can't physically be there for them, especially like a year, like uh, we are currently experiencing, yeah, you know, there, sure. there are very small practical things you can do for people to help and you don't have to relate or understand to do it. Mm, that's good. 
That's good. Ooh. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else we say with that. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. Well, Mono, we, I mean, I'm so excited. I was uh, so excited to have you on here. Uh, just have a lot of respect. Yeah, a lot of respect for you, love for you. I mean, it's just I, I think you're awesome, and and what you're what you're doing in your comedy, what you're doing in the scene, um, it's just thank it's just you. amazing, and and um, really glad you're on the show. Uh, Chris, yeah, thank you. Yeah, what, we didn't even talk about claws out that much. We didn't. Um, we didn't. We definitely can. I should mention. I feel like I should. I should mention that I do run Claws Out Comedy, and uh, mm -hmm. it's my comedy brand that I use to showcase and elevate female and femme performers. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also work with Vulgarity for Charity. They provide financial assistance to people who have been left behind by loved ones who have committed suicide. So we've kind of married those two brands together by saying bad bitches can be sad bitches. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks again, Mona. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Been phenomenal, and uh, I hope our listeners uh, have learned so much and will go out and support mm -hmm. you. And I know they will because uh, you're phenomenal and powerful, and that's what we need. So keep it up. <laughs> Follow Mana Comedy and Claws Out Comedy, and download Unstable. Available everywhere January first. Yeah, what a great, what a great interview. What a great, what a great talk. I mean, she's she's the queen. I mean, and she is. Uh, it's. Uh, it's so cool that she's like around in our area or at least my area. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to tell people how you feel about them when you're strangers. Right. Yeah. But just like, just like seeing somebody's actions and, and, um, just, a, just the admiration and like respect I have for her. I was, I think during the interview, <laughs> I was so excited and, uh, I, I was trying to, I don't know. I think there's, there's some of me that was trying to like impress her in some way, which is, which is strange. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Chris, you had a great call out, you know, with that, with me saying, Oh, my brother is bipolar and stuff like that. And, and I think, <laughs> which is great because, you know, while she was, she let me off the hook, uh, the, uh, you know, you and I are talking a little bit ago, like I don't do that anymore with other groups. Mm. but, but because I'm in the mental health camp, I was like, cool. Then, you know, I can relate in this way. Yeah. Let me virtue signal real quick, <laughs> but it's still, is that what that is? Oh man. It, no, anyway. I don't think it's that <laughs> but like, um, you know, that that's still a thing that is, that's in me and, and something I still have to like work toward or work against. Like we all do probably, but I know I, well, do. It, I love that Mona said, just listen, because we, we keep doing these conversations and it's always the same treatment, right? No matter how different the, the case is, it's a person who lives on this world and has labels that, you know, have preconceived ideas. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you don't know. So just listen, just talk to me, listen, learn. Um, I love our episode with Jamie. Accept it, right? Just accept what yeah. I'm bringing to That's you. exactly what I was thinking about. Yep and learn from you it. don't have and, to understand that, it no at all mm -hmm. and so it's it's very interesting that we keep getting the same feedback mm -hmm. um because it it almost is this idea that there's something divine there because it's consistently mm -hmm. showing up that mm -hmm. this is the key right just listening to each other and like you said it's hard to talk to strangers and and have these deep moments like this uh i guess i would probably i've gone to at least 15 mics that she's hosted and yeah. never had like a conversation like that to that level and i love that we have this platform to do that because i'm able to just listen i'm able to connect and i also was learning about myself from her mm -hmm. expression of dealing with something that in my mind she has no control over it's not her fault there's no reason why she can't play the victim to dealing with um borderline disorder and bipolar like like that's unfair that, that she had no control over that and yet she's still saying no i have choice in what i consume because that i've seen impacts how i walk around this in this world that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah mind-blowing mind-blowing and so much that you can do like right now where you're at you know what i mean like yes. there's so much that you can do you can choose water over soda you can you know like th those kind of things like we may not all have access to all the good things and but but there are little things that she talked about like just what little things can we do to 
to make our like treat ourselves better to, to make ourselves healthier in some way and i i that was so just awesome and inspiring and sure. i didn't say this in the episode but it just connects me to people like lebron james who mm. is ancient and still playing a young man's game if you don't know who <laughs> lebron is he's an nba basketball player uh upper 30s should not be performing at the level that he's performing mm. but he takes such good care of what he uh, eats. He takes good care of his body and controls what he eats. And his yeah. health just it just exudes healthiness. And mm-hmm. I love that Mana made a connection to that and the brain. Like it's the mm-hmm. same system. And we can we can take care of ourselves in that same way and treat our um, mental health just as importantly as we do our physical health. It, it's just the culture is different in America. Yeah. It's just we don't have that culture of taking care of our mental health to that same level. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, man. So I was glad to talk to her, and um, I don't know. No. Did I, I? It's funny because I'm I'm on the show. You know, you let me know our guests, and mm-hmm. and 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 even the topics we're gonna dive into, and you know, maybe it's my own personal superpower of not remembering <laughs> anything, but I'm always blown away by the the interviews because I completely yeah. forgot, you know, Oh, we're going to talk about mental health. I completely forgot. And so in the conversation, I was like, this is amazing. I've, I haven't had a conversation <laughs> like this. Who, who set this up? Rich. Like, oh my God. <laughs> this is so good. Well, awesome. Well, thanks man. I appreciate that. That's very kind. That's and very I hope kind. our listeners, I, I, cause we talk about race. We, mm-hmm. we talk about culture. We've talked about, um, gender, mm-hmm. right? Mental health is, it, it gets like a back burner in a sense of, mm. you know, the, all the plights and the fights and, and the social causes that we have, where it's one that is pretty uniting, um, yeah. as we notice a lot of people struggle with these things. And so just the realization that this episode is something that's probably very unique, mm. um, unless it's a health podcast you know i think this conversation was really unique and so i i feel like our listeners probably took away the same thing that i did is i never even thought about these struggles in Mm -hmm. in this in the light that uh mana presented them and so i'm just uh, i'm just really appreciative of this podcast right now and i'm appreciative of our listeners and our guests and Mm -hmm. please if you are listening and you want to share your story on the show reach out to us let us know because there's so much to learn. You know, we we get used to the talking heads and the pundits and those that seem to have some kind of authority or prestige. You mm-hmm. have authority because you've walked and you've lived the life. So come on here, share it with us. We want to know your point of view and your perspective completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate y'all listening very much. Um, you can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, Allies Imperfect on Twitter and uh, Imperfect Allies and on Facebook. Uh, we've got Imperfect Allies Learning Together, which is our Facebook group. Uh, they've got a Discord server now where we're uh, starting to talk. We've got Patreon if you want to support that. We've got all kinds of ways in which you can be a part of this conversation. And uh, we really appreciate y'all very, very much. And uh, we hope you have a just a great, great time listening to Mana's album. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh through. Please pick that up. Uh, yeah. Support her. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Laugh your butt off and you can get that pre-ordered right now um, i've already pre-ordered mine get in there and i hope y'all have a great uh, holiday season yeah. peace peace black cards black cards all black everything and i